I'm really excited about what I sensed um, God just stirring in my heart this week. <clears throat> and I want to just ask you, there are a couple things that I felt like were almost inadvertent sidebars to my uh, message uh, that I felt like the Lord was saying this morning. He really wants to go deep on a couple of those things. So I just need wisdom right now. I don't want to get up and give you my best message. I want us to cooperate with what God wants to do. And what I've learned with two services back to back, they're never the same. They're always the same card people pass down and the same blanks, but God always brings a different revelation. You know why? Because church is not about coming to listen to a sermon. Church is about coming to encounter a Savior. Church is not about coming because we love the speaker. It's because we really want to encounter God. So come on, Lord, I pray that you would help us to encounter you, to understand the value of what you designed church to be. You died to establish the church in the earth, that it wouldn't be some institution, but it would be a movement, a, a Jesus movement to our generation. We're the giant killers of this generation. I pray you would awaken that in our hearts, that we'd understand, Lord, that you have anointed us to push back the gates of hell, to liberate people into places of true uh, thinking that would awaken a greater, deeper, more meaningful purpose for existence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We're talking about being spiritually activated. And this whole concept of the tabernacle and the journey through the tabernacle is God's provision for us to see the sequence revealed in Scripture of drawing close to God. And it's important. It's not just Old Testament stuff. It's uh, full gospel stuff. You know, God did all that He did in the Old Testament to prepare us to be the New Testament church He's called us to be. I mean, you know, the Old Testament is richly furnished and dimly lit. And so what I want to try and do is just shine a little bit of light, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate some things for us to have a little greater understanding. Where we're going with this is to understand uh, you, can, you can come together as the church, how many of you know, and do the church thing without ever really being broken in the hands of God. God's not trying to make us more religious. He's trying to make us more like Christ. <clears throat> Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. We, we live in a society that's catered to, and you hear me say it often, and uh, I unapologetically say it often because we need to resist this in our culture. We live in a culture that has tried to reduce Christianity into a self-serving religion, and we don't want to raise up a bunch of consumers that show up to receive the product of church. We want to make disciples in the house of the Lord that will awaken something of the deeper purposes of God, that we go out on the eternal assignment of heaven to transform the world around us. Come on, I want you to help me today. Let's declare that today. Let's clap that in. Let's proclaim it in Jesus' name. We're moving forward in everything God's called us to. So last week I made a few statements about this, and it's a really important part of the journey as we enter in to the gate of the tabernacle, but it is not your giftedness that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's your brokenness that releases that anointing. It's not your giftedness that releases the anointing. Thank God we're all gifted. But it's not just having a gift. It's being broken in the hands of God to release something of God's kingdom in the earth. And so we want to look at how to walk that out. Brokenness is the willingness to be inconvenienced for the purposes of God. Think about it. What does it mean to be, oh, that person's full of themselves? They're just all about them. Have you ever talked to that person and they don't want to hear anything about what's going on in your life because they're too busy telling you about everything going on in their life? 
That's a person that's full of themselves and unaware of the needs of the people around them. They're, they just aren't aware of or capable of being inconvenienced for anything other than that which they want, that which they desire. Brokenness is a person who's willing to be broken for the greater purposes of God. Life is not just about me. This is a year that we are learning that we are created to flourish. Would you say the word flourish? This is a 2018 emphasis for us where we're trying to understand what this is. And I want you to hear it loud and clear. I repeat this phrase over and over through the course of the year. But it's important that we know God wants your life to be awesome. God wants your life to be awesome. That is the truth. But that truth comes with a trick. God does not want you to chase an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others. And that is what will make your life awesome. This is a kingdom truth and a kingdom reality, and learning to be broken before God. This happens when we devote ourselves to getting into the Word. What's your relationship with the Word of God like? I'm going to really focus in on that today. Do you have a relationship with God's Word? Do you have a relationship with God in His Word? Are you taking time to read Scripture, to memorize verses of Scripture? I haven't spoken to Wade about what he was going to say today or Tracy about what she was going to say today, but they basically gave you the format of my message today. How I many know God just wants to have a conversation? I was up early this morning walking in my backyard rehearsing Ephesians chapter 2, the very verses Wade got up here and spoke. I was speaking them from memory because I've been memorizing those verses as he was up here speaking them. I know God's stirring something of the grace of God for us to get a revelation that when we soak in His grace, we then begin to scrub by the power of His Word and get cleansed deep within, being awakened to what God has called us to walk out in our everyday lives. It's important that we understand God's trying to bring us into a deeper place of having a conversation with Him. When we get into the Word on a regular basis, are you, are you turning the page? Do you know what that means? Every day, turn the page. Write the date at the top of the page. That's it. Just start in Genesis. Read all the way through. You may not understand it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to understand everything about God in order to get something from God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? Just keep turning the page every day. Get in, be inconvenienced for the purposes of growing deeper in God's Word, and as you do that, you're more broken, the anointing starts coming out of your life. Get in a place of prayer. Gather, not just when it's convenient. Oh, I've had a busy weekend, can't make it to church. No, this is about being inconvenienced for the purposes of God because it's the highest priority that Jesus died to establish the church. We gather as the church. We love, we serve, we give, not when it's convenient. We are willing to be inconvenienced to further the purposes of God. Oil doesn't come from the olive until the olive is crushed and broken. And then oil comes from the olive. We all want to be gifted. We don't want to be broken. I don't want to be broken. Let me let you in on a secret. There are many mornings I get up and I go walk to my Bible and I look, my Bible sits by the coffee pot and I do my turn the page in that little area and I look at my Bible and there are many times I look at that Bible and I almost feel a sense of adversarial relationship to the Scripture. And you listen to what I'm saying, because I know you think if somebody, you know, preaches or is in the ministry, somebody on the platform, when they sit in the bathtub, they have a hard time sinking down because they just stay on top of the water. You know, that's not the way it is. I don't wake up in the morning and my alarm goes off and it's angels singing from heaven. And then uh, and Michael comes and he wipes my brow and says, it's time to wake and have conversation with the Lord. I wake up with bad breath just like you. 
You know, I mean, we got to endure human- the element of humanity to reach into the place where God wants to take us deeper in the purposes and eternal nature of God. And sometimes I walk in, I look at that Bible. It's a big old Bible sitting there, and, I, and I, I have this sense of adversarial relationship. In other words, I know that I am about to submit myself to be broken and crushed under the weight of God's truth and word so the anointing will come out of my life. This is not just about delighting in everything God wants to do, though there is a place for that, and we learn that as well. But there is a discipline to walking out the will, plan, and purpose of God for your life, and it's not going to be comfortable or convenient. Come on, celebrate discipline with me today. We celebrate discipline today. I delight in God's Word. I love God's Word. I memorize God's Word. But there are times my flesh reacts to God's Word, and I want you to know that's normal. And today we're talking about the laver. The laver is all about cleansing myself in the Word of God. The Bible commands us as husbands, wash your wives in the water of the Word. We take the water of the Word and we cleanse our conscience, our minds, our hearts. We renew. A word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's an important relationship that we understand. So let's walk through this journey together. John 10, 9, I am the gate. When we look at the tabernacle, there was only one way in. His name is Jesus. It was all a depiction, a type, a shadow, an expression of that which was to come. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so here are a few pictures to give you the journey as we take a look. This is the gate. We're taking a look at the purple. Uh, That's me. Yeah, there's the gate. There's the gate, the purple entrance, and we go through that, and we see the brazen altar as we enter into that gate. The brazen altar is where we were last week, taking a look at this, and I want to reiterate something with you. You will never process God's love correctly if you keep rehearsing your mistakes. We came to the brazen altar last week and learned a lot about the sacrificial expression that would take place on that altar. This prayer through the tabernacle is online. Download the app, please. Hit the blog, all the notes, discussion questions, the prayer, all the way through the whole tabernacle progression is there. And then once we get past this brazen altar, we find the other. there are two things in the outer courts. There's the brazen altar and the brazen laver, the bronze. This bronze speaks of judgment. I won't go into all that again. But we move past the brazen altar. Now we see this little laver in the background here. As we take another step toward it, we'll see that there are two basins. There's the top basin and the bottom basin, and they both held water. And if you'll notice, the base of it is mirror, okay? Those are mirrors. Not mirrors like we know or understand, but there are mirrors, and they would have water in those two basins. And the priest would go from the place of sacrifice, then to the place of cleansing, wash the dirt from his feet, the blood from his hands. All that is extremely significant to us. Now, again, bronze, brass speaks of judgment. We're we're not going to see any other other pieces of furniture in the tabernacle as we look at this over these next weeks. We're not going to see anything else made of bronze. Because in the outer court, that's where there's judgment. Now we're going to next week start moving into the holy place and then the most holy place. And in those spaces, we won't see things made of bronze or brass. We'll see things made of gold. 
Now, interestingly, Exodus 38, 8 gives us a depiction of this. It says, he made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Mirrors were not glass in those days. It was highly polished bronze, highly polished brass. So once you step to that laver, once you you come in the gate, his name is Jesus, you step up to the the altar, that's where the sacrifice is made for our sins. How many of you know you can't do anything to make yourself good enough? You, You really need to get that because like what I just said will change your life if I could just convince you that that is true. You can't do anything to make yourself good enough. I know we strive to do, there are all kinds of things. We serve notice on our conscience all the time. How many of you have made mistakes? Every single one of us have made a mistake. How many of you have blown it? How many of you have blown it so many times you had a blowout? And in the midst of blowing it like that and being in a place, it's like, can God ever use me again? That is exactly what we see throughout the Scripture, Old Testament and New. People coming to a place of saying, is there any hope for me? That's when you're actually qualified to completely rely on God because you're no longer believing in yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? We live in a world where everybody's trying to cultivate. You need self-esteem. You need self-esteem. Let me tell you what you need. You need humility and reliance upon God. Self-esteem is a dressed-up word for pride, and you don't need self-esteem in you. You need reliance upon God. I know, I know I'm tampering with a common way of thinking, but you've got to understand what God wants to do is to take you out of the element where you stop saying, I'm better than this person or I'm better than that person. At least I'm not as bad as that person. No, he wants you to be completely broken before him. And we are all absolutely pathetic standing in the presence of King Jesus, who is the perfect one. None of us are perfect. He is perfect. Therefore, we are all desperately in need of his life, his love, his righteousness being given to us. When we get this component, we'll stop judging other people. So understand this. We walk in and we stand at the, the altar and then we move to the labor. What came first? The altar where we are cleansed and forgiven. Everybody say forgiven. And then we move from the altar where we're forgiven to the laver where we're cleansed. Now, I know people want to come to church and try and go straight to the cleansing department. And that's because of the burden of our guilty conscience. But you were never born or created to carry guilt. That is not something God ever designed you to carry. Therefore, it causes you to malfunction. It causes mechanisms within you to go awry when you start processing guilt because it was never part of the plan. So so what we do, we have to first understand grace and forgiveness and then move to the labor where we find truth. What I'm saying is hugely important. Before we can go any further into the presence of God, again, this is the sequence God revealed for Moses to set in motion so that we would have an incredible analogy to to walk through to understand what it takes to walk truly into the deeper presence of God. Jesus walked through this, by the way, interestingly enough. Uh, Won't have time to go into a lot of this. A lot of the stuff is on the blog way beyond the message. But do you remember that woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears? Hmm, kind of a progression toward the presence of God. Before he went in as our most high priest, seated at the right hand of the Father, he went through this progression. 
It's amazing when you start to see this. So here these, these priests, they come, and they've got blood all over their hands and dirt all over their feet, and, and, and they've, you know, sacrifice has taken place, and they stand at the laver, and they begin to wash. They first look in. How many of you know when you come to the Word of God, you're going to see your own reflection? And then they begin to wash, and you know what they saw then? They didn't see their own reflection anymore. All they saw was the blood. They couldn't see themselves because they only could see the blood because they stopped at the first place first instead of going there second. If you go, to their, if you go there first to the labor, you're going to cleanse and just keep seeing yourself, keep seeing your imperfection. But if you'll go to the place of sacrifice and embrace the cross of Christ, you won't even see yourself when you see yourself correctly. You'll see the blood of Jesus. Come on. Go deeper. Go deeper. Take it in. Let's receive what God's wanting to reveal deep within our hearts today. In God's kingdom, there is grace, altar, and there is truth, labor. These are really important truths. The first thing you experience when you enter the door of Jesus Christ is grace and truth. Grace and and truth. Now, I want you to think about this with me. This is what I felt like was almost a sidebar the Lord wanted to kind of drill into our hearts. There are church expressions in our world today who embrace and express truth, but they neglect grace. Have you ever been around those harsh, judgmental scenarios? And then there are churches in our world today that embrace and express grace, but they neglect truth. And that's an inappropriate expression as well. So what we have to understand is grace, I'm saying them in order on purpose, grace versus truth, because grace causes us to enter into a better understanding of truth. Those two components in the kingdom of God, grace and truth are married. You and I are the salt of the earth. Is that right? The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. This is what I've learned about grace and truth. Grace and truth are much like salt, sodium, and chloride. One alone will kill you, but without the combination of the two, you will die. You do not just need grace. You do not just need truth. You need grace, and you need truth, and you need a dose of those that's found embodied in the love and the life of Jesus Christ. He's not going to reach you where you are to leave you where you are, because that's all grace would do. He's going to reach you where you are to take you deeper in the purposes of God, where you walk over to a place called the labor, and you begin to pick up the Word. You begin to allow God to cleanse your life, because you have a heart and a desire to move beyond the grace of God into a greater strength of God, to take other people into the grace of God. So write it in your blanks, please, on your cards. The bronze altar is about justification. The bronze laver is about sanctification. Justification and sanctification. Anybody here, your mind just, uh, for me, I've found when I go do yard work, I'm outside working outside, my mind just starts going to all kinds of things that I don't want my mind to go to. I rehearse things people have done and said, uh, and, and, you know, it's just kind of crazy. How many of you have people talk behind your back, and then you find out about it? And so sometimes, you know, I'm out, and I'm thinking, if I could say this to this person, I'd say that. And I'd, I'm working on these arguments in my brain because I found out about what somebody said here. You know, and, and, and I, I have just, I've grown weary with that. And what I've learned is when I, I mean, number one, I just need to stop doing yard work, right? That's just a, the devil. No, that won't work. 
And so I've got to go to plan B. Plan B is that I'm actually displacing the wrong thoughts by first embracing the right thoughts. That's why I'm actually memorizing right now Ephesians chapter 2. And, and I've just found myself, anytime I start thinking about anything I shouldn't, I just go right back to Ephesians chapter 2. But as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. I don't live there anymore. But as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the prince of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now at work in those who are disobedient. Isn't it incredible when you really stop and think about what this is saying? There is a spirit at work in those who are disobedient, and it's the devil. It's a demonic spirit. And so you and I are fighting this battle that's beyond the natural realm. It's the supernatural realm. And our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spirit realm around us. Therefore, we've got to keep renewing our mind to the reality of what's going on in our lives. And when we get the grace right, and then we start to rehearse the truth correctly, then we become powerful men and women of God, ready, armed, equipped for battle. But if you don't get the grace right, you just become a judgmental, brash, hard person. When we come to the labor, this is exactly what happens. The Word of God helps us see ourselves. You're looking in the mirror. You see yourselves correctly. You begin to cleanse yourself with the water of the Word. James chapter 1 talks about hearing the Word and going away, not doing it. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror and forgetting what you saw. How many of you looked in the mirror before and you realized your hair was messed up? Bad illustration. Have you ever looked in the mirror before and you realize you had something in your teeth and then like you walk away from the mirror, you forget you got something sticking out of your teeth all day long because you forgot to do something out of the mirror. That's what this is talking about. Like you see yourself in the lens of Scripture, in the mirror of Scripture, but you don't do anything about it. Then you're just going out and you're not really equipped to be your best at what God's called you to be because you've forgotten what the Word of God says. So go to the labor. After you understand the, the cleansing nature of God, uh, the, the transforming, gracious nature of God, then you go to the cleansing part where you begin to wash yourself purify yourself. Therefore, friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have the promise of Scripture, let us purify ourselves. I hope God purifies me. That's not what the Bible says. How many of you struggle with sin in this room? Can you just raise your hand if you struggle with sin? Just point to somebody who struggles with sin. I wish God would just purify me. I wish He would just purify me. Oh, if God would only just purify me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves. Fill your mind with the truth of Scripture. We're at the labor. You want to be powerful in Him? Come to the labor and renew your mind to the truth of God's Word. What? Let me start over again and ask you, what is your relationship with God's Word? You need a healthy relationship with God's Word to cause you to become more of what God has called you to become. Now listen here carefully because I'm going to walk you into something that I'm going to tamper with some emotions. Some people think they're very spiritually immature, but their emotional reaction actually trumps their spiritual maturity. Therefore, they are not spiritually mature. When your emotions are more alive than your spirit, your flesh man is stronger than your spirit man, and your spirit man will submit to your flesh. And we need spiritual maturity in the body of Christ. We've, we've catered and coddled to consumerism long enough. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Study, rehearse, read, get in the Scripture. Not because it'll give you more favor with God. It won't. You've, you started in this place of grace. Don't leave there. 
The entire book of Galatians is all about that. Paul is saying, stop giving in to legalism. That is not what this is about. We start from the cross of Jesus Christ, and we never lose sight of his blood. But there is a place deeper God's called us to grow as we walk out his will, plan, and purpose in our lives. He wants to take you deeper. And the Bible speaks of how when we get the grace component right, then we're prepared for the truth. And we actually see this story in the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. Couldn't see, climbed up. You, you, the song has just started in your brain. Has it not? You, your brain is powerful. Your brain is powerful. I, I want you to know just how powerful your brain is. Because that was something that had been rehearsed in your brain earlier in your life, one word from me awakens a rehearsal that took place. I'm just talking about sowing and reaping here. It's very important that we get our brain focused on the right stuff. That's why your relationship with the Word of God is vital to your being strong that God's called you to place of strength. Not for you gaining greater access into God's love. It's not gonna, he's not going to love you anymore because you read. somebody in this room reads their Bible more than anybody else. God's not impressed. Somebody in this room has the best attendance award of going to church their whole life. God bless you, Sister Russell. <laughs> but I know this is crazy, but, I mean, there are people that we've connected with and worked with even over the last few months that have just gotten out of, you know, off drugs, and isn't it crazy? God loves them just as much as He loves Sister Russell. Because his love is not based on how lovable we are, but on how loving he is. And Jesus postures us to be fully loved. Something terrifying about being fully known. Something gratifying about being fully loved. And he who knows you best loves you most. It's the essence of last week's message. If you didn't get it, you really should go online. And so here Jesus is looking up at Zacchaeus. Listen again. You're not as spiritually mature as you think you are if, you're, if your emotional reaction dictates your spiritual response. And here's Jesus. He looks up at Zacchaeus, a hated governmental official leader of his day. This guy ripped people off all the time tax collector. In this day, he had an open doorway to rip people off, constantly known by the, the, the illegal behaviors that were endorsed by the, the governmental uh, structure and expression that he lived in that day. And in society, they hated him. He probably climbed the tree not only because he was short and he wanted to see, but he wanted to get out of the reach of, of some people in the, in the society there that wanted to get their hands on him. Very possible to be the case. He was very hated. And what did Jesus do? He didn't give an emotional, political, governmental reaction because he possessed a spiritual response. Do you see people the way God sees people? Or does your political party drive your conclusion about individuals that you look at in the world in which we live? I'm speaking to a politically divided nation today. People went to Jesus and said, no, you don't understand. This guy, he's like Donald Trump. 
if you're on one camp. No, you don't understand. This guy, he's like Hillary Clinton if you're on another camp. I mean, all they ever do is talk bad about him on Fox News or bad about him on CNN. And that's all I ever listen to is the one that tells me what I want to hear and helps me not like those other people more, more, more. And I'm spiritually mature. You're a child. You're manipulated by the enemy to foster division when the kingdom of God has nothing to do with that. And you better understand what I'm saying today, church. You don't want to have anything to do with Zacchaeus, Jesus. And Jesus says, come down out of the tree. I love you. I'm going to go to your house. We're going to have a meal. Zacchaeus. Everybody starts trying to say, no, 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 don't. You don't want this guy. This guy's bad news. And Zacchaeus starts saying, well, you know, I'm not all bad. I mean, I've done this. 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 And I've done this. And I've, I've given here and I've helped there. And, and I know those things, but, but I did this. And, and Jesus basically says, Zacchaeus, step away from the labor. Come back and let's talk about the grace. Let's talk about getting in the place and the posture before the Lord your God, the way God desires you to be. Then we can talk about doing good things because you and I were created to do good works, but not to earn the favor of Jesus like Zacchaeus was trying to do in that particular moment. Jesus just loved him right where he was. Jesus saw him the way God saw him. Do you see people the way God sees people? Because when you hear the voice of God, you have heard the voice of love. And when you minister as ministers of God, you minister as ministers of love. Do you see people through the eyes of love? Or do you see people through your judgmental conclusions, whether that's theological, political, or whatever? Oh, God's going deep right now. Second Corinthians 10, 6 says, we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is made complete. Let's go to the labor. Here we are at the labor. Here we are at the altar. Okay, we're going to the labor, scrubbing, cleansing with the word. You'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is made complete. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is why the Bible says grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Titus chapter 2 verse 12. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Don't rush to the labor. Stop at the altar. Get this right. Come on, let's stand. Get this right. And then you'll be ready to accelerate into places of great maturity. But I'm just telling you, if you don't get this right, I'm going into things I didn't really intend to go into today, but I just feel the Lord's wanting us to to go deeper. If you don't get this right, listen carefully. You will medicate your disappointment in yourself by passing harsh judgment on the lives of people around you who perhaps are not as good as you are. Because you've forgotten the altar from where you came, and you got lost in the labor where I'm in the Word, and I'm...
You know, this was a pretty, um, it's a pretty good morning. Pressing in, some challenging thoughts and insights, and I can't help but think about when my girls were really little and they would do their very best. They would bring me their picture. And I, as their father, would hold up their picture, and inevitably I would hold it up upside down on accident. I'd say, oh, it's so beautiful. And then they would take the picture and turn it over. Oh, of course it goes that way. How many of you know I wasn't really impressed with what they had done for me? I was just impressed with them. And I just feel the, I hope you'll understand where I'm coming from, but I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, He's not really impressed with what I've said today. He's impressed with us. Our best, and I mean, I, I really am giving my best. I, I don't just show up here and haphazardly hope something comes out good. I work hard all week on really trying to understand what God's wanting from us, for us, to us, in us, through us. I mean, we're meeting in various meetings, making all that. I mean, we're do, I'm, I'm doing what I know to be the very best I could do, and it's still just pathetic in the sight of God. Only by the Spirit of God can He take the seed we give Him to work with and produce a harvest that is way... I mean, think about a seed. It doesn't... A, a piece of corn doesn't even look like a big corn stalk with ears of corn coming out. It doesn't look anything like it, does it? Because God, all He... Jesus is the master of doing less than we... More than we thought He could with less than we thought He needed. You just give Him a seed. It doesn't even look like it should, but give Him a seed, and He will let that thing take root and begin to grow and produce something in you that is powerful and profound and next level and kingdom of God advancing and enemy chasing, devil destroying, and no on our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords.